welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. We're back with Dr. Elisa Lucas from all the pods. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always just impressed that if people have more than one, and I'm like, I'm so tired with one. I know. How are you? Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you have fatalities where it's true crime anti, which are two of my favorite things. And then best forevers, which is all friendship. Yes. And then the third one will be coming out near the end of the summer, which focuses on unrequited love. And it's going to be called unrequited. So stay tuned because I'm I'm really into pain. Three three (laughs) podcasts. (laughs) How many podcasts are too many podcasts? Um, some people might say one, but. <laughs> no, um, oh. two is probably too many. This is going to be a summer special project that I will create only in summers and then I'll release during the year. So that's the plan. That is a smart plan. Well, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, you can always count on me. I'll come on. We'll talk yes. about Unrequited Love. I'm excited. <laughs> So, I know you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I, told I mean, you. I know the topic. It doesn't mean I know anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love the history ones. I'm like, so have you heard about this? And people are like, what? What do you mean by heard of? <laughs> do I know the, the name? name? Yes. Do I know what they did? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> this was the fun. As soon as I got to college, I was like, I'm no longer taking American history. Yes. I'm taking anything else I can because my high school is all American history. Yes. So I took like modern Chinese history and our professor had actually been in the Cultural Revolution. She got sent to the countryside. Wow. So we got like legit real life pictures and stories. And then like I was like, I'm going to take a class on like the Eastern Europe yeah. and I'm going to take a class on Africa. And wow. then I got really deep into Latin America. But <laughs> I can't get into that one yet because <laughs> it's so depressing. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> And all my American, all my American history knowledge is basically 1945 onward because I did international studies. So it's all policy. (laughs) I was going to say my history is basically through my dad and he knows a lot about wars. (laughs) So my knowledge is secondhand Jim Lucas knowledge. But then also, I think the the story I know the most, and I'm hoping to have you come on Fatalities so I can share the story with you, is Bonnie and Clyde, because that's about the most I know. But it's true crime, so what are you going to do? <laughs> I could find an earlier true crime history one. I'm sure. I know they're out there. Yes. I've run across them. Yes. <laughs> So yes, what what are we what am I going to learn all about today? I'm going to be smarter when I leave this. <laughs> We're going to walk like an Egyptian and learn about Cleopatra. Oh, I thought it was the Bangles. Okay, cool. <laughs> that was one I of my mean, first concerts was the Bangles. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> Which is funny cuz we talked about my first one was the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, I know. I'm much older than you. <laughs> well, it's also my parents. I laugh. I made it most through I was in high school, I think, and I made through most of high school without going to concerts yeah. because my parents were like, uh, you have to buy your own tickets. <laughs> you have to figure out your own way there. We're not taking you. And then I just worked. Yeah. <laughs> instead. Yeah. No, I was 12 when I saw the Bengals. And then I saw the Jonas Brothers in concert when I was in graduate school. I was the oldest person there that didn't have a child with them. 
Yeah, that was the best part. It was uh, the burning up tour. I think it was 2008. Yes! That's a year first concert! I was in my PhD program. It was great, though. I had the best time. I'm so glad they're Amber back. Avril Lavigne was there. So glad they're back. Mm. I know. It's so catchy. And then they're just doing all these moves. Uh, my favorite thing was there were some parents in the front and, like, some dad had, like, their young child on their shoulders and holding a beer. And I was like, <laughs> I know how you're getting through this. Yeah. The beer is the thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was great. I don't. But yeah, I didn't drink beer. I was there because I wanted to be. <laughs> I was like, people shouldn't just send me their children to go to like pop concerts because I love them so much that like I had a friend who's like, oh, I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift. I should. You should have taken her. I was like, yeah, I should have. I want to see yeah, Taylor I Swift. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, the last concert I saw was Coldplay. And it was because someone dropped out. And my friend's like, hey, do you want to go with me? I have an extra ticket. You're like, no, like, Coldplay's horrible. No, just kidding. They're great. <laughs> I mean, it was at the queue. Mm-hmm. We were one seat before the back in the very top. <laughs> Perfect. Right where you need to be. Nosebleed seats. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was a great concert. Yeah. I will say the best concert I've been to was Chainsmokers. Oh, wow. I'm trying to think. And then I saw Lady Gaga last year. That was pretty amazing. I saw the Beastie oh. Boys when I was in high school. That was pretty awesome. The Bengals were good. Jonas, like... I haven't been to the... Okay, can I say the worst? Is that, like, negative? <laughs> the worst? No, you can say the worst. What's the worst concert? I'll tell you my worst concert, Maroon then. Maroon 5. And it's not because I don't like them. It's because it sounded like I could have stayed home and listened to the CD. And it was during finals week. Yeah, I had a CD. So don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I have a Maroon 5 CD. I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah. No, I just meant, like, it ages me, right? Like, uh, that yeah. was when I first got my shuffle, right? My I, mm-hmm. I shuffle. Um... But yeah, that one I was just like disappointed because it didn't like seeing him in concert didn't add anything. So my worst one was who sings Drops of Jupiter. Oh, 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 I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they ugh, no. Well, so my, I went with my sister. Were they Savage Garden? Was that who that was? No, it's not. Jupiter. No, I know. God, okay, I'm, I'm looking it up. But basically, it w- I drove up to Cleveland to see the concert with my sister we had a great time. We were on the lawn, so it's like, you know, you bring a blanket, you like yeah. get some ridiculously expensive beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. And the audio was, it wasn't their fault. Yeah. Oh, that ruins but it. It's Train. Train, yeah. I and was then, thinking Savage Garden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then we missed the makeup one because we both didn't know about it, and I was back down in Oxford finishing up my master's. Oh. And they did a makeup concert at the queue. Oh. Or no, at Jacob's, at Jacob's Field. And, like, if you had your ticket stuff, You could have gone. Oh, that's too bad. I could have gone. And I was just like, what? Why did I miss this? <laughs> uh, because I was really behind on my master's. Yeah. You're like, because <laughs> I have stuff to do now. Dang it. <laughs> so, what do you know about Cleopatra? Let's get... Let's All get right. into the so, base level. Basically, you're like, here, embarrass yourself. Okay. So, Cleopatra was some sort of ruler mm-hmm. in the Egypt area... Yes, she is always presented as someone who is beautiful and mm-hmm. like the classic black hair to the shoulder type situation um, or longer. But and that she was married to Mark Anthony. No, that's the pop singer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking of JLo's husband. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's about all I know. OK, so I'm glad. Well, first, we're going to go with she is not 
uh, Egyptian, so she's like her heritage isn't African. Gotcha. It's Greek. Oh. Yes. So, and there are multiple Cleopatras in history. This is just the most famous. What? Of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know nothing. I can't wait. I'm learning. (laughs) I'm learning. (laughs) You're you're being the opposite of Jon Snow. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Jon Snow. Well, I don't know things like Jon Snow, but at least I'm willing to learn. (laughs) So many Game of Thrones references just because we're recording on a Sunday. Yeah. I mean, it's fine for us. I don't know if other people are on board. (laughs) Yeah. So this Cleopatra was born in 69 BC to a troubled royal dynasty. Okay. And I'm just going to throw in there for a spoof hour. Nice. Because of 69. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, the Ptolemies were descended from a Macedonian general who had served under Alexander the Great. So reference back to Alexander the Great episode. Basically, after Alexander dies, they divide his kingdom up by his generals. Someone takes over Macedonia. Uh, someone gets uh, near Egypt. So everyone gets a little chunk. <laughs> a little Break me off a piece of that. <laughs> yeah. And some of these lasted for longer. And I think the Ptolemies, if I remember correctly, were one of the longer lasting dynasties established by Alexander the Great. They had ruled Egypt for nearly three cent- centuries, but their kingdom was being eclipsed by the power of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> and the there's a big internal dissension. So basically, society's fighting within itself. And Cleopatra's fighting against her brother. So mm. they did not pull the Egyptian thing of marrying your brother. Oh. So there were, instead there was a little sibling rivalry, maybe? Yes. Okay. So Cleopatra is the daughter of Ptolemy the Twelfth, and we don't know who her mother is. Oh. Usually it's Ptolemy's- the other way around. Yes. You don't know who the dad is. I'm thinking a powerful dad. They're like, okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They were more democratic that way mm-hmm. in some ways. <laughs> So Ptolemy the Twelfth would reign from eighty to fifty-eight BC, and we're going forwards in time, so that's why it's going down. Yeah, <laughs> and was basically being pressured by the Romans and is struggling to hold on to his power. Quote: Ptolemy the Twelfth was heavily dependent upon the Romans, and their as their friendship hmm. put an increased strain upon the Egyptian economy. His rule came under increasing scrutiny from the Egyptian elite. End quote. And that's from uh, Sally Ann Ashton who uh, has a book called Cleopatra in Egypt. Wow. I like how there's friendship in this. I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> the Romans, if you're interested in like friendship and like history, the Romans would use that friendship, so quote unquote, to bring parts of land into their empire. Okay. And kind of bring people into their empire. So they wouldn't kill the whole population. They'd be like, well, you're Roman now, but you're like, you don't like, we'll absorb your stuff and you'll be part of us as a way to show friendship, I guess. I'm going to absorb everything you own and everything you are. Friends forever. <laughs> friends forever. We won't We won't annihilate you and your gods. We'll just be friends about it. And <laughs> our gods and your gods can be friends. Cool. <laughs> In 58 BC, Ptolemy Twelfth was exiled and a woman named Cleopatra Tryphania, a different Cleopatra, <laughs> became ruler of Egypt but died not too long after that. She was succeeded by Bernice the fourth, another woman. Mm. And now I'm just thinking of how I met your mother. No one asked you for it. <laughs> it's Patrice, but I went with Bernice. <laughs> similar <Patrice>. similar setting. <laughs> so in 55 BC, with the support of the Romans, Ptolemy the Twelfth was put back on the throne and took 
his 17-year-old daughter, Cleopatra the Seventh, okay. Okay. as his co-ruler. So she's getting basically getting trained to take on and deal with the, all the problems. She is given, her father probably pulls out a table and goes, all of this bullshit will soon be yours to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> and she's 17 and she's just sitting there like, cool. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Everything's a dumpster fire. Got it. <laughs> Can you at 17 be like, mm, that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> so after he dies in 51 BC, his will said Cleopatra should share the throne with her brother, husband, Ptolemy the 13th. I love that they're just like, we got one name. <laughs> We're going with it. And everyone, that's it. That's for everyone. <laughs> everyone. Everyone. So Ptolemy the Thirteenth and his advisors refuse to acknowledge this arrangement, and fighting breaks out between them. Cleopatra is forced to flee the royal palace. Oh, and she goes and finds this guy that you might have heard of, named Julius Caesar. Oh, have you heard of him? I have. He's got great salads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a low hanging fruit joke, but <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, so their meeting was accidental because first of all caesar's 30 years older than cleopatra oh so you um <laughs> yikes yeah his arrival in egypt was an accident he'd been fighting the civil war against the roman general pompey and pompey had been defeated and had fled to egypt in 48 bc hoping to win the support of ptolemy the 13th the young pharaoh was like nah you have a bunch of trouble <laughs> and <laughs> And executed him. So when Caesar arrives in Alexandria, let's all take a moment to think of the Library of Alexandria and just shed a tear. Oh. I know. So sad. Uh, he was presented with Pompey's head. Oh. You know. Hey, cool. It's like, like hey, you're looking for this dude? Yeah. <laughs> or is it kind of like when you come over to someone's house, you're like, I brought you a bottle of wine to show you you're like the hostess with the mostess. Here's a head. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that, except for you land, and then the host is like, I got your favorite cheese. <laughs> Head cheese. Is it Gouda? <laughs> is it Goudaful? Yes. <laughs> uh, Caesar was not pleased. Oh, but not. Probably because he wanted, like, that's not the Roman way. Yeah. You know? It's not a glorious death. <laughs> uh, for some reason, we don't know why, probably because the Library of Alexandria burned. Uh, Caesar decided to stay in Egypt and deal with the dispute between Ptolemy the 13th and Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. And this really could be because uh, Egypt is the grain belt and has been for the Mediterranean for centuries, millennia at this point. What does that mean? So because of the Niles flooding uh, pretty consistently, mm -hmm. they always have a supply of grain. They have the world, like the world's grain store. Gotcha. So okay. they don't really go through famines and fa uh, droughts and stuff like that. So... For the rest of the world, you can get grain no matter what. You can get grain from Egypt. Okay. Okay. So say you have a giant city, Rome, and uh, they have a lot of people and you can't always support them with the food around you. Mm -hmm. You need a backup grain source. And he was going to tap that grain source. <laughs> tap that grain. Tap that grain. Tap, 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 now I just want to see someone animate Julius Caesar singing Tap That Grain. <laughs> Make that happen, people. <laughs> yes. And so Caesar's just staring at that grain source and he's like, I'm going to calm these sibling lovers down. Hmm. So let's get before that, let's get to how like they're ruling because Egypt had a different system than 
they do now. Okay. Cleopatra followed the tradition of Macedonian rulers and ruled Egypt and other territories such as Cyrus as an absolute monarch. So sole (laughs) lawgiver of her kingdom. So she's, Mm -hmm. if you had a pyramid, she's the top. She's the queen. Yep. She's also the chief religious authority in her realm, presiding over religious ceremonies. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Dedicated to deities of both Egyptian and Greek polytheistic faiths. So they've incorporated both of them when they took over. Okay. She oversees the construction of various temples to Egyptian and Greek gods, a synagogue for the Jews of Egypt, and even built a Caesarium of Alexandria, dedicated dedicated to the cult worship of her patron and lover, Julius Caesar. (laughs) Because Caesar really starts this, the emperor is a god idea that Augustus will take over and really cement, which causes wrong problems but yeah that's later on <laughs> they already had a bunch of problems but anticipation not... there's more to come yeah we'll have to cover augustus to do that <laughs> because that's a whole bag of worms <laughs> snakes Ew, who puts worms in bags gross <laughs> i guess if you need worms you put them in a bag <laughs> i thought it was a can of worms <laughs> again who's putting them in cans i mean i don't know why are we doing anything with worms? I don't, you know. Unless you're doing, like, gardening. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> she uh, is also involved in the administrative affairs of her domain, tackling uh, crises such as if there's a famine, uh, keeping the royal granaries up to date, uh, dealing with droughts. So because they're so plentiful in years, they do have grain stores. So if something, say, the river doesn't flood as much or it doesn't rain as much, after you planted, you can uh, keep the population fed because a hungry population tends to revolt. Oh, I bet. It was a command economy. She managed more uh, more as an ideal, so tempting price controls, tariffs, state monopolies on certain goods, fixing exchange rates, rigid laws for forcing peasant farmers to stay in their villages during planting and harvesting seasons. Again, grain belt. <laughs> Very important. Yes. Food. Now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything about them is, like, that's why you see them, they focus on the Nile so much because that's how they get their food, their water, their gotcha. everything. Yeah. Um, there were some financial troubles that led her to debase her coinage, which included silver and bronze currencies, but no gold ones like sure. some of the her ancestors. So she's like, okay, we need to, like, make it affordable for everyone. Oh. Mm-hmm. So back to Ptolemy the 13th. Uh-oh. <laughs> her brother, her brother husband. <laughs> oh no he he was trying to convince caesar that hey i'm the still ruler you should totally pick me and he's like don't let my sister see him like so everyone's like i'm assuming it's like the bernie or uh the barney hill show with the music where like (laughs) like cleopatra's trying to see him and they're just like keep moving the caesar yeah where's the caesar where's the caesar (laughs) where's he at yo (laughs) yeah so this is where, you know, that famous story comes into play <laughs> that the I don't know if she was actually rolled up in a carpet and like rolled out to him. And they're like, we got you this carpet, <laughs> Cleopatra. <laughs> That's one way to make an entrance. I know. <laughs> but she did successfully sneak into the palace in Alexandria and plead her case to Caesar, which surprised and pissed off her brother husband. <laughs> Quote, Ptolemy the Thirteenth had gone to bed that night in a happy, a happy lad, secure in the knowledge that his sister, trapped in Pelusium, would uh, be unable to plead her case before Caesar, as uh, Egyptologist 
Joyce Titha wrote, uh, he woke up the next morning to find his sister had somehow arrived at the palace. She was already on the most intimate terms with Caesar and had managed to persuade him to support his cause. It was all too much for the 13-year-old boy to bear. 13-year-old Rush- boy? Jesus! Rushing from the palace, he ripped off his diadem in a well-orchestrated public display of anger. The crowd surged forward, intent on mobbing the palace. However, Caesar would not be intimidated. Before uh, before a formal assembly, he read out Ptolemy the Twelfth's will, making it clear that he expected the elder brother and sister to rule Egypt together, end quote. So, I think she was older, but it's just like, the older brother and sister should rule together. Gotcha. That's just how we do it. So, she might be like 17, 18 at this point now, and he's 13? Yeah, because it's yikes he <laughs> he arrives in 48 she's born in 60 69 i'm shit at math so yeah you're asking the wrong person there too <laughs> yeah yeah like she's closer to her 20s and i think he's just younger and they're like okay but you're still you're the two oldest so yeah so he returned cleopatra to power they became intimate and had a son known ah. as cesarean sorry <laughs> clearly i don't know but i remember you saying he was much older 30 years older than her. Yikes fest. Yeah. Uh, this is a Caesar. I mean, she na- literally named him like Caesar's son. <laughs> and Creative. <laughs> I love these names. Yeah. But Caesar was kind of hesitant to be like, this is my child. Again, like inheritance in Rome and all of that is a little different. Mm-hmm. Also, he's constantly fighting people and they will constantly want to kill him. Ptolemy the Thirteenth later died in a failed rebellion and was replaced as a cool co-ruler by his and Cleopatra's younger brother, Ptolemy the Fourteenth. Mm. Don't worry, Cleopatra eventually has him killed. Oh, cool! <laughs> Plot twist. You gotta be. It's like Pokemon. You gotta be the very best, <laughs> the only one. In, in that same vein, she has her sister Erseoen the Fourth killed. Oh. Yes, she's not messing around. Nope, she's like, you guys are all causing problems. That's how we you already s- are. That's how you solve things. <laughs> we already are having a bunch of problems, so I need less problems. She's like, I have ninety nine problems, but now I have sixty six because thirty three of you got killed off. So, <laughs> pretty much, it's a very different version of Jay Z's song. It's <laughs> <laughs> just Cleopatra killing her family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Being the mother of Caesar's son gave Cleopatra greater power, and she made her son, uh, Caesarion, her co-ruler. Mm. Quote, with a son by her side, Cleopatra VII could abandon any thought that she might have had of adopting the role of a female king and could develop a huge power, power uh, and could in- develop instead a huge, powerful new identity as a semi-divine mother, an identity that had a huge advantage of being instantly recognizable to both her Egyptian and Greek subjects, end quote, says mm. Tisley. So it's gonna it's gonna give her this recognition that will kind of quell some portions of the kingdom. She had uh, already p- become a goddess towards the end of her father's reign, but now they identified her with Egypt's fa- most famous single mother, mm. the goddess Isis. Ooh. So thank you, those people who have a terrorist group for ruining a goddess. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. You're like, come on. Really? That's why we, we can't call- have nice things. I think we're calling them ISIL now, but still. Yeah. Then things get a bit of bit awkward <laughs> in uh then forty 40- <laughs> in forty four BC uh BC, it's the Ides of March, and uh Julius got a little stabby stabbed <laughs> a bunch of times. 
I hate when that happens. <laughs> there was a bunch of stabbing, and ancient writers have kind of determined that she was in Rome when the assassination occurred, and she quickly noped out of that situation. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. She's like, uh, I have Caesar's only son. Shit. Because <laughs> you can already see, like, she's probably staying with them for political reasons. Yeah. And her biggest political benefactor just got a whole lot of lots of stabby uh, stabs. Air holes. Yeah. A lot of stabby stabs, a lot of extra air holes, but you can't <laughs> breathe that way. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. So, no, no, you can't. Hmm. So now we have a civil war breaking out between the forces of Mark Antony and Octavian, who would be uh, Augustus Caesar. Mm -hmm. And he's an adopted son of Caesar. And really, Anthony and Octavian are fighting together right now. But then they're also going against those who'd organized the assassination. The Anthony and Octavian prevail. Mm. And Octavian's like, they're like, okay, Octavian, because they had been doing triumphants, which is like a three party, like three person rule. So they're like, which is what Caesar was fighting against. So Caesar started the sole emperor. Mm -hmm. And now Augustus is like, yup, I like this. <laughs> and Anthony's like, okay, yeah, but let's play splitsies. <laughs> so Augustus gets the western half of the empire. Anthony controls the east. What's in the east? Cleopatra? Yes. Oh, holla. <clears throat> then we get to the Shakespeare play now. I was about just to get gonna... spicy. <laughs> I'm just going to take the next two hours to read the Shakespeare oh, play. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because you know we both don't have time for this yeah, shit. Yeah, we don't. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> it's a Sunday. <laughs> Game of Thrones is on tonight. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he summons Cleopatra to Asia Minor, a.k.a. Turkey, <laughs> to question her why she had not given support to his troops when they were fighting Caesar's assassins. It's a valid question. Mm -hmm. Hey, you kind of were like semi-married to this dude. Why were you not helping the people who stabbed him a bunch? Yeah. Tell us everything. Tell were you for us? Were you against us? Like what? What's your deal? What is yeah. your deal? <laughs> Cleopatra told him that she had assembled a fleet to attack the assassins but could not reach the battlefield in time. So she's like I was trying, but we were we it took us a bit to get everything we could, together, and then we, we had a sail. We got held up in traffic, <laughs> sea traffic. <laughs> we had to stop and get gas. <laughs> Quote: Anthony, struck by her intelligence as well as her appearance, was captivated by her as if he were a young lad, although he was forty years old. The accurate interest, acute interest Anthony once showed in all things, suddenly dulled whenever Cleop whatever Cleopatra dictated was done. Without regards for laws of man or nature, end quote. Uh, translated uh, by Prudence Jones, this is Apician who had lived in the second century. Okay. And then we, because we keep talking about a beauty, let's get Plutarch, our good friend, also from the Alexander episode, uh, yes. description of Cleopatra. Yeah, let's hear it. So, quote, for her actual beauty, it is, it is said, was not it's in itself so remarkable that none could be compared with her or that no one could see her without being struck by it but the contract of her presence if you lived with her was irresistible hmm. the attraction of her person joining with some charms of her conversation and the character attended all she said or did was something bewitching it was merely it was a pleasure merely to hear the sound of her voice with which like an instrument of many strings she could pass from one language to another Ooh. so that there were a few barbaric nations that she answered by an interpreter end quote so she's she's charismatic she's beautiful but it's really her charisma and her intelligence that 
bewitches people. Was, uh, at first, I was like, it sounds like she's a witch, is what you were saying. But, <laughs> but yeah. So what they're saying is like she is no matter what she looks mm-hmm. like, people are attracted to her naturally because she has some natural ability to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Entice people. And so you yeah. might see someone, you might interact with someone, and they become more attractive based on how they communicate, right? And so it mm-hmm. sounds like she had some natural ability for that. Yeah, so it'd be... I'm trying to think of a modern-day equivalent. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being compared to Cleopatra? And I know that the, what you just said, that no one could be... That people could be compared in terms of her beauty, but it was mm-hmm. really like she knew all these languages and she's able to mm-hmm. um, keep people engaged, Um and so I think there's just some people, it's like the popular kid in school, you know, like they're just people mm-hmm. who are just so engaging. Cleopatra would be popular in school. Oh my <laughs> God, Disney needs to get on that. You know how they did like the villains as teenagers and stuff? Oh my gosh, yeah. I forget what it's called, but they need- Descendants, yes. I've watched most of them. <laughs> they need to get on a Cleopatra as, wait, no, copyright. I'm going to create- <laughs> Courtney and I could create yes. a teenage Cleopatra and then sell it to Netflix. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll fund our podcast for like five years. Oh, hell yeah. Let's get this going. <laughs> I need to know more to be able to do that, though. I don't know much we'll about it. We'll have to her. read more books, all the books, <laughs> catch up on it, talk to talk to historians. We could do a podcast about making it. Oh, oh my God. We got like, an, there we go. our life is written out for us for the next several <laughs> years. I love it. <laughs> so anthony and cleopatra forge a close bond in the years ba- up to the battle of antium they have three children together the twins alexander helios and cleopatra Selene in 40 bc and then another child um who doesn't have a name <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't put it in there oh no you're fine uh, it's just kind of like oh by the time we get to the third child does anyone really care i mean i'm the third child so <laughs> me too <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, in my family, people have not realized I'm related to my siblings because I don't look as much like them. <laughs> I have a brother that's blonde and a brother that's a redhead, and I'm a brunette. So, yeah, we don't look related at all. <laughs> so the relations between Anthony and Octavian begin to fray, and Rome's in a civil war again. Uh-oh. Because Rome. <laughs> I hate- that's a really simplistic thing, but kind of Rome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They officially go to war in 32 BCE, and Augustus puts much of the blame, rightfully or wrongfully, on Cleopatra. So he's like, that woman! Yeah. You know, it's always history. the goddamn woman! <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, that was dripping with sarcasm, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> you know, Ugh. history. We like to blame the fact that men, apparently, we're bewitching. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we're, we all are we're, witches. We're all witches. Good to know. (laughs) So the leaders of Rome voted to pardon and praise Anthony's supporters if he if they would desert him and like basically declare war on Cleopatra. Oh, according to Cassius Dio. And you're just like, say what now? (laughs) You want to do what? (laughs) Yeah. So, quote, the temple of Bologna, they would perform. They performed all the rites for declaring war according to custom with Octavian acting as a priest. In a word, the war war was declared on Cleopatra, oh. but in in the in fact the declaration was aimed at Antony. End quote. So they're like, we're gonna go to war for Cleo like against Cleopatra because Egypt, and <laughs> if it takes out Antony, bonus. Aww. Yeah, his music isn't that bad, guys. 
enjoy it. <laughs> Sorry. I just made myself snort. <laughs> uh, Anthony has a numerical advantage on land, which is good because that's like what we've learned. Mm-hmm. You Numbers tend to win because if you throw people at it, eventually one side will not have as many people. I mean, I learned that from watching Game of Thrones, so I know that. <laughs> how the war that's how the dead were supposed to win they just can like raise everyone and they're like haha now you're for us yeah and then just spoiler on that because <laughs> you said supposed to <laughs> well if you haven't watched it like who knows maybe they do maybe yeah. they oh, don't that's true also, also every battle like they kind of are just like hey what's up friends yeah well i mean it's just basic numbers you need more people that's why Daenerys Targaryen's going around collecting all these people who are enslaved and asking him, asking them to join her in the fight. She needs more people. But there we go. Oh, I got our comparison. Cleopatra is Danny. Aww. Got it. Perfect. <laughs> Does she have dragons? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, Danny's one, Cleopatra's zero. <laughs> but Cleopatra got two Roman emperors, so... Okay, so it's two, one. Okay, fine. <laughs> It's close. It's a close game. She just has she just has Jon Snow. <laughs> I mean, and who knows about that? Uh, I w- I wouldn't be that mad about it, but you know, I would. I wouldn't either. <laughs> so, so the the war was going to be decided at sea because you know that makes sense. Because I was gonna say because of water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they they're all like they're spread around the Mediterranean, so you have to get there somehow. Yeah. yeah. And the engagement is fought near Actium in 31 BC on the Ionian coast. What actually happened in this battle is a mystery because conflicting reports and, again, RIP the Library of Alexandria. (laughs) Libraries are the best. We need to protect them at all costs. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm going to keep bringing it up because I'm still hurt by it. I'm hurt too. But I'm also a daughter of a librarian, so I get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The ancient sources have claimed that Augustus and Antony were at a standstill when Cleopatra, for some re- unknown reason, flees the battle, leaving Antony's forces to be routed. Whether this is true or not, we don't know. Mm. Because history is written by the victors. <laughs> Convenient. <laughs> also, it's been a long period of time, so like things have been lost and, and it reinterpreted and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. Which fun Library of Alexandria fact that no one asked for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How they got such a large library was every time so a ship would come into port, they would confiscate all your books. Oh, oh my copy God. them and then give you the copies. How do they? <laughs> what do they got? Like a shit ton of kinkos over there? Like what are they just scan? Like they got copiers? They had a ton of scribes. Oh my God! You be and then you be doing it forever. Yeah, that's, that's all probably some people did. And then there were uh, some editions that have survived that like. Maybe we're out for loans and stuff. Um, we can see proof that they edited them oh, to the times. Yeah, that's interesting. And, yes, that is the end of my fun Alexa- library of Alexandria facts. <laughs> what if I wanted to know more? <laughs> I don't know more. Okay, I just I'll Google it later. It's fine. <laughs> we'll just do a fatalities episode on the library of Alexandria because that is oh. itself a fatality. Mm, that's so sad. <laughs> and it's just us crying into tea. For 45 minutes. But the tea has to be covered because ain't no cup without a cover on it going into a library. <laughs> um, excuse me, you can bring a cup into a library? <laughs> Travel mugs. Securely fastened covers. 
Cleopatra flees, and in- our ancient writers, various writers, have said that Antony's ships were heavier and could hold more troops, but Octavian's ships could maneuver better and had more experienced crews. <laughs> so it's basically someone's just chugging along. The other one's like, oh, choo, 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 choo. It just sounds like someone's <laughs> doing a pro and con list on who to date. Well, he's got more ships. Well, he can maneuver faster. Oh, oh my God. Octavian? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I just want to see the Tinder profiles for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. This battle would seal their fate. Uh, Augustus got control of the sea. He landed troops in Egypt, and he was like, "Let's go to Alexandria." <laughs> Which, as people know from the Alexander the Great episode, was Alexander naming cities after himself. There's <laughs> Alexandrias all over. Amazing. Yep. Antony managed to win a minor land battle, but he and Cleopatra were trapped. So mm. it's a trap. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Antony, falsely hearing that Cleopatra had killed her, killed herself, decided like, yeah, I'm gonna go join her. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Mm-hmm. But with more war <laughs> and actual threats. <laughs> According to our friend Plut- Plutarch, Antony said of Cleopatra that quote, "I am not pained to be bereft of you, for at once I will be where you are. But it does pain me that." I, as a commander, am revealed to be inferior to a woman of courage. End quote. He stabbed himself, but he did not die right away. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> he was instead found wounded, taken to Cleopatra, where he would die with her. Aww. Quote, she re- when she received him into the mausoleum and laid him on a couch, she tore her clothing over, her, over him, beat her breast, scratched at it with her hands, covered her own face with his blood, and called him her husband her ma- and her master, and almost forgot her own misfortunes as she pitied his end quote from Plutarch again. Ugh. So it's intense. What is happening? <laughs> She's like, my lover. It's this is a better Romeo and Juliet, basically. Well, but still, keep your blood to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they got bloodborne diseases at this point. Well, either that, no one knew about it. <laughs> yeah. So Augustus arrives into the city. Cleopatra tries to reason with him, which is fair, but she quickly realizes she's going to be taken to Rome and be paraded as a war trophy. And she's like, how about no? <laughs> no one likes being shown off like a trophy. Basically, they would parade her through the streets, probably dress her up more as a temptress and okay. like demonize her. Oh. Mm. And then she'd be a prisoner to Augustus and, like, who knows what that would have entailed? Yeah. I don't like the sound of that at all. Yeah. So she had two attempts to complete suicide. Quote, she dressed herself in her richest attire, as she as was her custom, and settled herself next to her Anthony in a sarcophagus filled with aromatic perfumes. She then put a snake to her veins and slipped into death as if it were sleep. Quote, uh, end quote, wrote Florius. In the second century. Man, this is dramatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we do know that she completed suicide. We don't know how she did. Okay. But we know she... she mm-hmm. Because the tomb and the bodies of Cleopatra and Antony were never found. Even if they were allowed a proper burial, their tombs probably would have been plundered. And it's just... I mean, it's so rare to find a tomb from that period that wasn't plundered. Okay. Which is why everyone loves King Tut, because it was so intact. Everyone's yeah. like, what? What does plunder mean in this context take anything of value okay thank you (laughs) yeah yeah take anything of value um probably if it was them they probably would have taken the bones as well yeah and 
either taking them back to Rome or something like yeah leave people's bodies alone people yeah well you do know there was a paint that was made from ancient mummies right oh now <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> you, the only reason they stopped is because they ran out of mummies <laughs> gross <laughs> it was like in the Victorian period too so you're like seems about right <laughs> so Augustus had Caesarian killed obviously because it's like Hey, you're from Caesar. I'm from Caesar. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> spared the life that, but he spared the lives of the three children that Cleopatra had with Antony. They were sent to live with Octavia, the sister of Octavian, who was at one point married to Antony, which is kind of insulting. Whoa. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. People like to marry all sorts of different people, don't they? <laughs> so Antony was married to Augustus's sister, Octavia, mm-hmm. but he was living for probably about a decade with Cleopatra. Mm. And now Augustus Octavian was like, hey, you want your husband's bastard children. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So two of them, the two, I remember her third child was a boy. So the two boys died in childhood, but the third, Cleopatra Selene, survived and married to uh, Juba II, a prodigy of Octavia, Octavian Augustus, Augustus Octavian, who became ruler of Nubidia, uh, client kingdom of Rome in the northwest Africa, which is now Algeria. Hmm. So she kind of gets to return to her homeland. Okay. Uh, she brought Egyptian art as well as the Greek language and culture to that kingdom. So she's spreading Alexander the Great's legacy, hmm. as we all are apt to do. And while Cleopatra is often considered to be the last of the Egyptian pharaohs, we know that um, the inscriptions and art that the Egyptian priests did not believe that. Hmm. In 2010, researchers reported a steely erected in the temple of isis at philae in 29 bc has octavian's name written in cartouche and honoring him as a pharaoh so he just basically inherited that oh, when he took over okay uh future roman emperors such as claudius would also be depicted as pharaohs even though cleopatra was dead and her dynasty was at an end egyptian priests refused to let go of the idea that egypt had a pharaoh as a ruler even though it was becoming a province in the roman empire so we really see this continuing on because otherwise their whole system would collapse mm-hmm. and i mean we don't want that it's been <laughs> mm-hmm. so let's address the myth of cleopatra okay let's do it <laughs> because we know her as the whore queen <laughs> whoa the seductress whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay continue sorry just a little shocked so yeah <laughs> Propotus set the tone, calling her the horror cre- queen. She would become the woman with insatiable sexuality and an insatiable advice from Dio. The whore of the Eastern kings, as Boracchio would call her. She was also in Dante as a carnal sinner and uh, for Dryden as the poster child for unlawful love. Hmm. So really, if you want to tame people in, Cleopatra is your example, child. Mm, I don't like that. <laughs> Nope. Doesn't sound accurate. No. And this continues on to the modern day with Florence Nightingale referring to her as that disgusting Cleopatra. Um, Damn. Claudette, <laughs> yeah. Claudette Colbert in her the title role of the 1934 role uh, was asked to be... Um, all right. One second. Um, yeah. So offering Claudette Colbert the title role in the 1934 movie Cecil DeMille asked her, quote, how would you like to be the wickedest woman in history, end quote. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So In history? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, in all of history, it's Cleopatra. Okay. <laughs> so, really, when you look at it, like, we don't look at her ruling, how successful she was at that. We don't look at any of her policies. We don't look at what good she did for her country. We focus on, really, the fact that she slept with Julius Caesar and Mark Antony. Two men. and Just two. Yeah. And she also, but, you know, she sustained, like, a troubled Egypt at the end of its time as a populated empire. And she was, like, remember, Plutarch said she she was a linguist. She knew a bunch of languages. Yeah. Fluent in nine languages. Wow. Charismatic. Well-versed in politics, diplomacy, and governance. And, you know. But let's focus on her being a whore. What has changed yeah. in politics? <laughs> <laughs> we focus on you know the way women look and so on and so forth not exactly what their policies and such are so i don't know if yeah. anything's changed yeah and then on top of it all her representations have no historical context so her egypt is fighting from being incorporated into the roman empire and like why would you like she clearly couldn't have done that if she was just sleeping with them yeah you know yeah and we see her maintaining the Egyptian empire even after, like, it's clear, like, even when she's with Anthony or Caesar, she's doing it for her people. Like, yeah. if she was just trying to get one thing, why would she sleep with, like, be with them that long? And why would she try to fight Augustus? Because she's a whore. Sorry, again, sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just, it just frustrates me because... It's like the interpretation of Audrey Hepburn. It's like you look at them for their face beauty, but you're not looking at the fact that they did all these things. And I don't think if her brother would have stayed in charge, I think we probably would have seen a different out, like a very different outcome for Egypt. Yeah. Because it seemed like she was trying to figure out how to work through the internal discord that the country was having at that point. Which she inherited, so to speak, at 17 years old, by the way. Yeah, and you're just like, this is insane. Why are we telling her that she, like, only referred to her as a whore? So I guess I have a second series, unofficial series going on, which is reclaiming women. Yeah. Yeah. From the grasp of history, because I hate, I hate when they're just referred to, oh, they just, they were a mother. Oh, They God. just did this. Yeah. And are they like, they're a whore. It's like, no, you can, you can use your assets and still be a political player. Yeah. Like, or those things don't have to be, like, they're not mutually exclusive. They can overlap with each other. Um, but mainly, I think it's like you have the mother and the whore. It's like two dichotomies, like, or a dichotomy. It's like good girl versus bad girl. And it's like, man, this shit's been going on for a long ass time. And it's like, when is there going to be sort of another angle in which to, um, you know, think about, interpret, approach yeah. women? Like, that's what I was saying, like, what has changed? Like, you know, in politics, we're more likely to talk about how people look. I mean, when Sarah Palin was the vice president nominee, it was about whether or not she had fake boobs. And and with Hillary Clinton, it was like how she destroyed men's boners because of her pantsuits. You know, it's just like, yeah, what is it? And it doesn't mean either of them might have had good policies, this, that, or the other thing. But how do you know if you're only focusing on what they look like or who they have sex with or whatever the case is when really when it comes down to it how many stories do we have to hear about male politicians who are like sending dick pics and this that and the other thing or yeah and that's fine <laughs> i know it's the double standard has been existing for so long and and this is like we're not trying to be like for either side it's just like yeah it's not fair to women either way yeah oh yeah like like you can be an intelligent woman intelligent competent woman 
that's a liberal or a conservative. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I don't think those are accurate ways to describe it. We're all complex people, but yeah. it's just so frustrating to see her simplify down to the idea of Elizabeth Taylor, yeah. you know, and you're just like, but that wasn't her. Yeah, like we're all much more complex human beings than what is represented, but to have her exist so long ago and it still just be like, well, she was like, that's the thing is like, so I knew we were going to talk about Cleopatra. I don't know a lot about her. And part of it is because the media represents her as the way that she looks, right? Like, that's why I was like, she has a particular way she looks. And I sir, I went to dinner or lunch with my dad yesterday and I was like, well, I'm going to hear about Cleopatra, who I don't know anything about. And he was like, <laughs> well, I don't think she was as attractive as people said she was, that she spoke languages and she was a politician and this and another thing. But it's like, no one knows that. And it's like, just how far a story can go down to like the most simplest terms and it's just like it's a bunch of bullshit like none of us like being put into a box right why are we doing it to other people right and then how we treat for example cleopatra has clearly impacted all these other women in politics and so on and so forth. yeah it's frustrating frustrating yeah, it's, it's just like a model like they did it with her first and they're like oh this worked yeah we can we can annihilate other women's cool. identities. Like I did Anne Boleyn, and the same thing is like yeah. she's either played as a witch, a temptress, yeah. But it's really she was a product of her time, yeah. And she learned how to play the game because she wasn't ready to be another mistress. Don't she was like, I don't want this. Hate the game. <laughs> also, blame Henry VIII because he really couldn't keep his dick in his pants. But true. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell everyone where to find you well yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm still, sorry i sound heated <laughs> we got into a very heated feminist thing and i was like oh this is gonna get intense yeah i'm sorry um it's just okay. like can't we all just treat people like humans that we're all complex human beings we have multiple things going on but anyways i'm a complex <laughs> human being that has multiple podcasts uh best forevers can be found at best forevers pod on all social media sites and fatalities again is spelled t-e-a-s it's fatalities pod on all social media and both podcasts are on all your favorite podcatchers, including spotify which is exciting and mm-hmm. stay tuned for unrequited I'm not going to give yes. a date. I'm just going to say stay tuned. <laughs> Anticipate. <laughs> yes. I'm excited. Me too. It's going to be fun. Hello. And yeah. And next week, who knows what will be on this because I don't think I have planned that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you already had 72 interviews this weekend. So <laughs> this carries you through like September. It. So you're fine. <laughs> oh, please. I need to get I need to get scheduled through September. So when you're listening to this in September and you're like, why are they talking about Game of Thrones like that happened yesterday? <laughs> or, We're recording on Cinco de Mayo, guys. Hello. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> so we'll catch you next time. Bye, Collective. Bye. Lisa Lucas from Best Forevers, a podcast for kindred spirits. I'd like to start a movement where we spend more time loving on our friends because although friends are important to us, they're often in the shadow of other relationships. So if you want to love on your friendships a little bit more, embrace friendship a little bit more, or just appreciate your friendships a little bit more, then this podcast is for you. We'll explore all the different ways friendships take place, share the amazing stories of friendship, and discuss best practices 
for the difficulties that friends may experience. It's time to embrace friendships because without our friends, who would we be? So check out Best Forevers on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other podcasting listening venues. And be sure to follow Best Forevers Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. This is Murderous Minors, Killer Kids, bringing you the frightening and truly insane tales of children with the thirst to kill. Kindergarten through 12th grade murderers. True stories thoroughly researched. Join us weekly for new tales of parents' worst nightmares on Murderous Minors, Killer Kids. of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free